following podcast has adult themes and some strong language. This week isn't about a person or people. It's about products. In a survey released in July 2017 by the Office of National Statistics, they told us what we already knew. The size of more than 2,500 different everyday items in the UK had decreased in the past five years, while prices had stayed the same or even risen. It's called shrinkflation. Whilst the list includes chocolate items like M&Ms, Maltesers and Toblerones, it also includes toilet paper, fruit juices and biscuits. When questioned about this, companies argue that the price of raw materials have gone up, so they are shrinking the product instead of putting the prices up. Others have stated with the price of the falling pound after Brexit, they are losing money. Of course, others may argue that we are the UK and so we're used to being ripped off, so we have passively accepted these changes. Whatever the argument, this shrinking is here to stay. And it feels like, despite my best efforts, the only thing that's not shrinking is me. My name is Jessica J. Garner, and this is my life. Welcome to episode six, and this week we're talking about theatre. American novelist Thornton Wilder said, I regard the theatre as the greatest of all art forms, the most immediate way in which a human being can share with another the sense of what it is to be a human being. I think that's fair. When I was young, I think I would be the last person to say that I love theatre. The chance to see a story playing out in front of you by great actors is such a pleasure. On a good day, it makes you feel well, whatever the story was supposed to make you feel. On a great day, it can take you to another place completely, like your soul is soaring. Yes, I am dramatic. When it's great, the atmosphere is electric. You get goosebumps from just being trapped in that world where laughing and crying is an involuntary action. You're probably not even aware you're doing it. Don't get me wrong, I love a good drama series on the TV and go into the cinema. I think theatre is something else. I say I would have been the last person to say this because I think theatre has changed. When I was young, theatre was a very middle-class activity. You would get dressed up and see the likes of Pinter writing about typically middle-class people having terribly clever and thought-out affairs. The actors were only ones you see in the theatre, darling, because TV would be too low culture for them. The likes of me did have something to look forward to every year. It's called a pantomime. Yes, it was about our level. I mean, we still had to dress up with maybe a new rah-rah skirt or pom-pom dress. The mainstays of pantomime, for those of you who are not British or just lucky, is a woman, probably very attractive and a celeb, would be dressed as a man. A highly sexualised man with thigh-high boots, leotard-type top, full makeup and long hair put inside a hat. They used to slap their thighs a lot for some reason too. They would eventually end up with the other pretty woman, who is a woman, actually playing a woman. However, the pretty woman would eventually break the heart of the other suitor, who really was a man, and the audience felt sorry for him. This was demonstrated when the audience used to shout, Ah! Yes, audience participation was allowed and positively encouraged. 
There is no time for passive viewing in pantomime. They're behind you, the audience shouts when there was a person standing behind another. Of course, the person would turn ahead and the other person would move to remain out of sight so they couldn't be seen and the audience would try again. Then there were the other men dressed as women, for example, the ugly sisters in Cinderella. The ugly sisters were older men dressed to look like men dressed as women. It's the in-joke that everyone gets, apparently. Invariably, though, one of the wigs would come off and the audience, okay, mainly made up of children, would laugh. Because it's an accident and in no way scripted. Get that? Not scripted. Like other little incidents that just happen by accident and the cast laughs because isn't it funny someone getting something wrong and we're all in this together. Did you hear me though? It's not scripted. No, I'm not and never been a fan. My dad took me when I was five and I thought it was patronising then and nothing has changed. Not that I knew what it meant then and I still loved it. I got dad to myself because mum was home looking after my baby brother. I saw some good theatre with my nana Garner, but it seemed like a different world to me. Something changed in the late 80s and early 90s, making it a lot less stuffy. It seemed like every play wasn't about middle-class angst, and it felt a lot more welcoming. I can't tell you really what the change was or when it started. Maybe it was my internal change. Suddenly theatre wasn't stuffy old plays or people bursting into song for no reason, or prancing across the stage making odd noises. Experimental, I think they called it. No, it became challenging, meaningful, and just really enjoyable. For me, anyway. There was also the opportunity to be right up close with actors, in not so much a theatre-type setting. In small venues, you can be so close, you are touching them. Not that you should. It's kind of frowned upon in theatre, and there are laws against it. It's just so powerful and beautiful. Or can be. If the acting is bad or the play is rubbish, it's like someone has reached inside your head and rubbing vigorously inside your brain and you have to fight every strength of your being not to scream, just shut up! I know I've entitled this one Theatre, but I guess you wanted to know what happened with Ems after that abrupt end last week. Samuel had stolen his mother's phone and rung me. So after I finished here, I picked up my mask and car keys and went over there. I masked up and banged hell out the door. Simon won, please, but Samuel admitted what he'd done, and so he backed off. Ems looked awful. She'd started to let her roots show. She had her hair scraped up and her skin was shallow. It wasn't her. She's always presented herself so well even in the house. She told me I couldn't come in. No shit, Sherlock. We went to a garage and closed the door. She was angry at first, told me I just couldn't turn up in the house when she wasn't prepared. Whatever it was that was wrong with me, she couldn't deal with it right now. Absolutely failing to see it was her son who called me. I told her tough and she was going to tell me what was wrong. It took a while. She's not good at opening up at the best of times, but she eventually did. We sat on two deckchairs in a freezing garage and she explained she wasn't coping very well. A husband that was working all hours, a missed daughter and having a devil child being trapped indoors isn't conducive to a happy life. Who'd have thought? And being flippant because it was anything but. 
She was as close to an edge that I've ever seen her. It's all right for you. You don't need anyone, she told me. Made it sound as if I had a choice. I asked her why she couldn't tell me. It's because I already have so much to deal with. (laughs) It's not fair. It's just not fair that she feels so useless. It's not fair that she feels she can't talk to me. It's not fair we are stuck in a stupid dull apocalypse. It's not fair because I need her. I need her 100% of my life. And when she shuts herself away from me, it means I can't have her. I don't think I've been that honest with her. She's not a burden to me. She's like my sister. She had it up with Simon the same night. He's going to help more. She has found a therapist which she can speak to online. She's already had her first session. It's not surprising what money can buy you. I check in on her every day and hopefully one day soon the dark cloud will lift. It's not about me, I appreciate that, but I didn't see it coming. She's always so strong and opinionated. This has broken her. At the risk of sounding like one of those stupid quotes that people put up on social media, check in on the people you love. You live in the darkest timeline and that's not about to change anytime soon. Back to the theatre. I'm going to mention the dreaded playwright, sorry, William Shakespeare. The name can strike fear into the hearts of GCSE and university students alike. To others, it can be that boring old guy who wrote plays I don't understand. For others, he was brilliant. I fall into the latter. Let's forget for the moment that Shakespeare may not have written the plays, or we may not be seeing anymore what he actually wrote. We can pretend for these purposes that the official story is true. We will even forget about his amazing storytelling. Hamlet, for example, has a ghost, pirates, murder, madness and a fight to the death. How many plays can boast that? Let's just look at the quotes. In his play, As You Like It, Jacques to Duke Senior states, and forgive me for the way I repeat this, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their entrances and their exits, and one man in his time will play many parts. That is brilliant. How to sum up life in a couple of sentences. In the same play, the character Touchstone states, The fool doth think he is wise, but the wise man knows themselves to be a fool. That is quite contrary, though, because I think I'm a fool, so does that make me wise? No, can't think about it. Then, in All's Well That Ends Well, the Countess states, Love all, trust a few, do wrong to none. A great rule to live by. In Twelfth Night, Malvolio states, Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. A simple fact, but eloquently put. It's not the way I say it. All these quotes are in his comedies. This is comedy in the old-fashioned terms as being light-hearted with happy endings. The quotes are deep nonetheless. I will finish with another of his comedies, A Midsummer Night's Dream. In that, Lysander states, The cause of true love never did run smooth. Of course, with that one, you'd have to run with the assumption that true love exists. Okay, I think I should break any notion of me being terribly cultured and believe theatre over TV and cinema. It is, but 
no, a jest. It's just different. Last time I saw any theatre was in London last year. I actually saw two plays in 2020. If someone had told me less than two months later that all the theatres would close the doors and their lights would go out, I wouldn't have believed them. I have no physical connection to theatre, just an emotional one, and it's broken my heart. I get it, you know, I have done okay so far in all this. I've just been told to stay home, that's it. It's been difficult, but in the great scheme of things, it's okay. Theatre has hit me hard, though. I've watched quite a bit of theatre on the TV, but it's not the same. It's the same reason why I prefer to watch films in the cinema. However, sometimes good TV comes from cinema and theatre. I will take one example, Doctor Who. It used to be dodgy sets and serialised. It had a real charm, some great writing, and arguably the best villains of all times, the Daleks. When it was reimagined by Russell T Davis, though, it couldn't rest on its laurels. It had to speak to a new audience and be of its time. Audience now expected a cinematic experience from this sci-fi, as Buffy the Vampire Slayer did it brilliantly. So in 2005, Davis took on the mammoth job of bringing an old classic to the 21st century. And he did it so well. He had the brilliant cinematic look of the show, but you also had a main actor that is so good he could have been on stage doing Macbeth, which he later did. I mean it. The Doctor had lines like, the ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. The entire planet is hurling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. See, when I say it, nothing. When Christopher Eccleston said it, wow. Plus it had a sense of humour you get in all those great Shakespearean type speeches. When the Doctor is flicking through Heat magazine, he says, that won't last, he's gay and she's an alien. He also has a companion, not an assistant as in the old days. The pretty assistant used to run alongside him and make him tea. Okay, I'm being facetious. They weren't all like that. There were others like Sarah Jane and Ace who were far from it. However, in 2005, we have a companion, and what a companion, Rose Tyler. The 19-year-old woman who worked in a shop and lived with a single mother, Jackie. We learn about the Doctor through her eyes, a normal but brilliant human. Davis's doctors all thought humans were brilliant. Rose Tyler is brilliant though, and when the time comes, she steps up and saves the Doctor. He deems her worthy enough to travel with him on his adventures through time and space. This was just the first episode, Rose. It was an absolute triumph. Okay, a lot of Puritans didn't like it, but they're entitled to their opinion. However wrong it is. Davis went on to make three series and four specials and started a phenomenon that is much copied but never much. To me, Davis is peerless. You only have to watch It's a Sin recently. My point is that you can mix the strengths of cinema and the class of theatre to create great television. Just look what is happening now on pay for channels like Netflix, with sci-fi things like Stranger Things and Black Mirror, and out of that genre we've got drama like The Crown and The Queen's Gambit. It really is a golden age of television. Thank God I'm not bringing up a family and have time for all this. I wanted to add a sidebar. Yes, very American. It's old news now that Doctor Who is female. However, at the time, fury of this from many had become quite scary. 
The Doctor cannot be a woman, fans claimed. It was messing with the success of the show. It's a male role and it's a travesty. Political correctness gone mad. Ruined the show they have. They will never watch it again and it's Doctor Who, not Nurse Who. Those were just the polite ones. How could a time-travelling thousands-of-year-old alien who regenerates into a completely different person when they die become a woman? My personal point of view is, why the hell not? For a show that's been on TV over 50 years, making it one of the few things in the world older than me, it's always found a way to remain fresh and watchable. However, that niggling part of me finds it frustrating in a supposed new era for women in the entertainment industry... Why can't we create something new for a woman lead? Also, have a female showrunner. The answer is we can. Will it happen though? Hope so. Jodie Whittaker has announced she is leaving the role. I tell you what, if they dare bring in a male doctor now, they will ruin it for me and I'll never watch it again. By the way, that's what we can learn from TV this week as well. I couldn't leave the subject of theatre without mentioning the world's biggest arts festival, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. It's been running technically since 1947. I've been countless times. My only regret is it took me to the age of 30 to go for the first time. Then I had an interest in theatre, but I went for the comedy. Now I barely go for the comedy and it's all about the theatre. It runs for most of August, but sometimes I can only afford a couple of days there. I didn't go in 2019, but plan to do a week in 2020, have flights and a hotel booked. We all know what happened there. I adore Edinburgh as a city. It is beautiful, has an amazing atmosphere, and the people are just the nicest. I look at photographs of it now and wish I was there. I don't know the future of the festival, but if you have a chance to go, please do. If you don't get the buzz from the venues, enjoy the scenery. Or enjoy the pubs or enjoy its history. And if you don't get the buzz from any of these things, God help you. American actor Brian Stokes Mitchell said, That's the magic of art and the magic of theatre. It has the power to transform an audience, an individual, or en masse to transform them and give them an empirical experience that changes their life, opens their hearts and their minds and the way they think. I agree, and that's why we need it back. That's enough from me. It just leaves me to say, please come back. I'm not needy or anything, but please... Also, a lot of this stuff is from the internet, and did you know, the internet can lie? You can find me on Instagram, at ExcuseTheJess, and please let's do this again soon. Excuse the Jess was written and performed by Jackie J. Sarah. It is a deliciously bright production. If you enjoyed this, please click follow and give us a five-star review or donate via Buy Me A Coffee. All details, including full credits, can be found on the website 
excusethejest.com. Thank you.